0: Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Nilofer Merchant, who is the CEO of Rubicon. She's also a strategist and author of the new best-selling book, The New How, which she's going to talk to us about. She's a leading authority in creating business strategy to achieve success. She's honed her unique collaborative approach to solving tough problems while working with and for such well-known companies as Adobe, Apple, Nokia, HP, and others. Her firm works with global corporations such as HP, Pinnacle, Logitech, OpenWave, Symantec, and other companies as well to create solutions to win markets. So she's also won multiple awards for her insights on applying strategic thinking and innovation, and she's been quoted or published in major business publications like Business Week, Entrepreneur, Fortune, and the Wall Street Journal. So welcome, Nilifer. Glad to be here. Great. I'm so glad to have you here. And I know that uh, you've just written this book called The New How, but tell us what was it that made you focus on this? What is The New How, and, and why did you write about it? So uh, I had been working inside big companies uh, for, for about 10 years and then went out and did management consulting for the last 10 years. And what I noticed is a very consistent pattern is that companies could kind of come together, formulate a strategy well, and do that in terms of you know actually being able to execute. But they didn't do it out of muscle memory because a lot of what we've been taught is that strategy belongs at the very top of an organization, sort of more elite, and the rest of us doers sort of, sort of accept that and try to do our best. And and I kind of rest, recognize a systemic issue that if we could just change how we formulate that strategy, it could do it differently. So it's it's uh, trying to figure out how to share that so it becomes more norm. Okay. So tell us, what, is, what do you mean by the new how? Yeah, so the new how points to uh, this, this idea of collaborative work, right? Uh, for the last few years, we've had some amazing collaborative tools. In fact, when Tim O'Reilly of O'Reilly Media uh, saw the book proposal, he said, the thing back, he said, I've been looking for a book for three years, this specific book for three years, because there are so many great collaborative tools that actually let people work together, but we don't. We actually have our systems, our processes, our cultural reward systems all set up to kind of siloize our work, and uh, and what we need to do is actually figure out how do we change our actual uh, cultural norms in terms of how we go about working. And so the new how points to this, how we're going to work. This this is this is nothing new. In some ways, uh, Gary Hamill, who's a great... Uh, Uh, management theorists uh, and some other folks who have really pointed to this desire to kind of figure out how to act more flat regardless of size but no one's actually pointed out how exactly would you do that so it's like it's left to the rest of us to kind of figure out how to devise that okay so we know what but now we know how to do it too exactly right now in your book you talk about something called an air sandwich what is an air sandwich so an air sandwich is, well, all of us, let me just say, all of us have experienced it, and here's what it looks like, right? The very top of an organization tells the bottom of the organization or, uh, sort of what to do. You know, like here's the strategy and here's all the things you need to do. Or better yet, they sort of lob over the strategy over the wall and sort of say, hey, you know, good luck figuring that out. And, uh, and what, is, what is in between that, between the executive board and that sort of big direction and people's understanding of what actually is possible and what we need to do is a gap, and I call that gap the air sandwich. It's not a malicious thing. Nobody's like, trying to do anything wrong. Uh, it, but it's, uh, it's like a sandwich in the sense that if you had a PB&J sandwich missing all the PB&J, uh, <laughs> it, would, it would have sort of the start of a sandwich, you know, kind of a start of something really good, but it's not enough. It's not sufficient. And in, in an organization, what it looks like is we're missing the discussions, the debates, the understanding, the trade-offs, the stuff that lets all of us know why something matters and what it, what it means for us. We're missing that missing the meat process. of the sandwich, yeah. Exactly. We're missing the meat of a sandwich, and then it just causes us to kind of go nosh-nosh on something that, you know, isn't really fulfilling. Right. Exactly. Ah, huh. how interesting. Now, okay, so you talk a lot about collaboration. Explain what you mean about collaboration. Does that mean we all kind of get together and sing kumbaya and... And feel for each other. I, what What do you mean by collaboration in an organization? Yeah, a lot of people have asked that question, and I find it really interesting because um, we impose our own will. Like Some people have assumed collaboration is like consensus building, which is you know not at all what I mean by it. Uh, I don't really want us to necessarily all come to a point of we all agree. It's more just how do we co-labor effectively? So how do we have all of our inputs considered so that those of us that have an opinion about what really will work can be heard? Uh, how do we make the effective trade-offs between us and have that sort of what I might call fair fight within a business, right? How do we we have that as a way to have a dialogue uh, and actually be able to have sort of a tough discussion within organizations instead of going passive? And then um, how do we come out at the other side having good followership? So meaning I got heard, maybe I didn't win that point, but I knew the process was clean. I know why we made the call we made, and I'm going to get behind it and align the rest of what it is I need to do. And that's really what I mean by collaboration. How do we collaborate towards this common goal rather than sort of working on what do I care about or you? We're going to care about what is it what we care about and how do we sort of apply our energy in that direction. Yeah, I used to work for someone who said agree and commit, disagree and commit, or, or get the hell out of the way. So I mean, yeah. sooner or later you have to understand, but then you have to get behind and you're all kind of moving in one direction. And I think some of us don't get behind things right for very real reasons. We haven't been heard in the first place. So in some ways when we're sort of like sitting there later going on and it don't really agree and so I'm not going to really support it and blah, 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 and we're probably doing it pretty much at an unconscious level, we're doing it because we never felt like the process was clean. And so why we're resisting it as much is like, well, we don't really believe because we were never engaged. Right. That concept of engagement is a concept that, you know, Peter Senge brought up uh, 30 years ago as we need to engage people. And what's really funny when you think about it is none of us would, would like disagree with that, right? None of us would go, oh, yeah, we're not going to engage people. <laughs> but we lack a systemic way to do that, we just lack a systemic way for an entire organization to normalize on that and say this is the way in which we're going to go broad in terms of understanding each other, but and but then really have a way to pick and then really get behind it. Good. Now you talk about something called murder boarding. What is murder boarding? Yeah. So it's um it's it's my favorite uh thing, and I'll, I'll tell you the backstory for the word, and then I'll tell you what it what it means. So the backstory uh, to coming up with the word was I had. A leadership team in our office doing what we call consultations, meaning a day when we all lock ourselves in a room with the team. We solve a specific problem. It's usually a day or two, depending on the problem, and it just very, very intensely, sort of just working away at something. And the fundamental assumption with a consultation is the group of people in the room knows the answer somewhere in there, but they probably haven't really worked at it sort of hard enough and well enough together to get through the other side. And so this particular exec team was in, uh, you know, flown in from all different parts to have this conversation with us about how do we really narrow down our focus. They had been a $50 million company, interested in growing to be a $100 million company. They needed a new injection of capital. They kind of wanted to understand where would they spend that capital most clearly so they could finish their pitch and go out and raise money. So it all sounded really good, and we were like, cool, we're in it. And we have this whiteboard full of things that they've been either pursuing or half-heartedly considering or what. just the whiteboard's full and we're now starting to get to that process of like okay how are we going to call it down and start making some real decisions. And throughout this sort of calling down process this CEO who's you know obviously clearly a visionary kept popping up like a jackrabbit was <laughs> out of his chair and to the whiteboard and kept adding more and more to the whiteboard. Like he could kind of keep coming up with more and more things that organization could do and really didn't have the sort of muscle sort of ability, you know, to kind of figure out, okay, well, of these many things, which one should we do? So he kept doing this thing, and the rest of the group was doing this, this look where they're all looking at me going, you know, kind of like, could you please make him stop? Because <laughs> this, is, this is clearly like this is an organizational endemic for them. Right. Can, can and, you make him, put him in a seatbelt and don't let him, <laughs> <help> him? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And could you please, you know, please make this end? You know, that's and so what's really funny is I was trying to get his attention, and I'm not really one to sort of come up with buzzwords. I kind of you know make fun of people who make up buzzwords in a certain way. But I was really trying to get his attention. I said, "You know, awesome, you're doing great at this whiteboarding thing. <laughs> what we're here to do is this thing called murderboarding. And I had always had this process, but I had not put a word to it um because because I never really felt the need. and but when I named it for this leader, he was like, "Oh, I want to know more about that." and <laughs> and And so that's sort of the backstory of of what it is and And so, by sharing that story it's it's really kind of sharing the opposite of whiteboarding right How do we pick how do we how do we especially because a lot of what um we're all faced with in terms of tough choices is not quant stuff like it's a three point two over a three point one, so we're going to choose that you know choice. It's almost always this sort of qualitative choice of which direction should we go? Uh, which market space should we own? Uh, you know, there's still a whole series of things that are that are more subjective, more qualitative, and teams lack a framework to actually make those choices. So usually, what it comes down to uh, is, is, you know, people tell me stories and stuff. too, It comes down to Joe decided, and you walk out of the room and you're able to say Joe decided that we right. did this, and and I'm like, well, that doesn't help, right? Because all that feels like to everyone else in the organization is an arbitrary choice, right? And they've abdicated, and to the degree yeah. that we. Yeah, and to the degree that we trust Joe in this example, right? It's great we might follow Joe, but if what if we don't really know if like Joe's really the right guy to make call? Then we end up all doing all sorts of interesting organizational behavior that you know uh, many case studies are written about that, that are dysfunction. And so the thing is, how do you get people in a room to have a really tough dialogue and come through at the other side to be able to say, here's why we picked what we picked, here's why we killed what we killed, and here's what the unifying sort of direction. Is. And so it's, uh, for those people who are reading the book, it's Chapter 6 in terms of a very specific methodology. Because one of the things I've learned as I've worked with a lot of leaders is they're kind of open to the idea of collaboration. Like, you know, I'm okay, that sounds really good, but won't it just make my life harder? Won't it just mean I have more choices and more stuff to look at? And if they lack the ability to sort of close that Pandora's box of so many choices and be able to move forward, then then they're kind of afraid of going wide. So it, collaboration has to happen both in terms of the big picture opening and it has to include this way of closing. Murder boarding is one specific, concrete way people can use, but of course, there are others. Well, I'm glad it has nothing to do with waterboarding, because I thought we. It has nothing to do with CIA. waterboarding, and and in, 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 in fact, another backstory is that uh, O'Reilly, when O'Reilly Media first heard the term, they're like, oh, you know, you could hear the sort of, you know, these are people who live in, you know, the San Rafael kind of Marin area, right? And they're right. like, oh, that's such an evil term. And I was like, it's okay, really. It's it's we need to be tougher on our business issues and not be tough. On each other, which is yep. really, if you're going to think about it, that's what we currently do. Exactly. Now, to do murder boarding, do you have to have trust in the team already, or can you use the process itself as a way to, to kind of build that trust? You know, for me, I, the experiences I've had, is, it's always about the process. Process leads to trust. You can't sort of walk in and say, hey, trust each other. It's more, what is the way in which you come through a tough thing with good norms that let you go, okay, I can trust both the process to create safety um, and rules, and when I come out the other side I know more about why you're thinking. You know, I, I think that's the really interesting part about business. A lot of business, if you kinda go to your daily life, we talk a lot about what is important in terms of this market's important, this money's important, right? We talk about what and we often don't explain why. why? Like what yeah. is that reason that competitive advantage is really our competitive advantage versus everybody else's it's kinda it's like fun. you tell your kids because? Yes. We're doing that same behavior and of course kids don't like the because either. No, and, 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 and with adults they like it even less, yeah. Exactly. And yet that's exactly how we talk to our people. Yep. Yep. Okay. So tell me, are companies actually using the the uh the new how now? Um, uh, is there an example you can give us of someone who's using it today? You know, um, there's there's quite a few companies that are doing it. So intuitively, companies who are startups and stuff, great entrepreneurs do this because they know this is the way to work. They know right. they need the best ideas out of their team, etc. What's hard is once you're scaling a business, you kind of drop away from hey, there's only ten people in a room, uh, all that stuff. You start to create layers that kind of stop a free flow of communications. And so uh, one of the things, so as we've gone off and developed it, we've actually been practicing this stuff at really good companies like Adobe and you know, different companies, and it was almost always on a sort of project level. And then once that team had a really successful launch or an initiative that was company-wide, then they would go and take it to the next level. And so one of the things I found is it's almost better to do it sort of as an organic, let's have a success right. sure. and understand that we can work this way. Then let's go create the next success. Okay. So it, it probably is better to do that rather than start with a top-down approval and, and try to do this across the whole organization. Well, you know, we're working with somebody right now on that idea of doing top-down. I think it it could happen both ways. I just don't think uh, we need to wait. We don't need to wait for our CEO to say, yes, we can work in this collaborative way, because all of us have a lot more power than we actually recognize in um, reinventing how we work in order to get better results. Sounds good. So is there one last thought you'd like to leave us in terms of how we can each in our organization start to think about the new how without implementing the whole methodology, but how can we just get on the right path? You know, one of the things that most individuals really struggle with inside companies, leaders, you know, independently of title is what I'm pointing out, most of us struggle with how do I call out an issue? How do, I, how do I sort of, okay, I know this is going in the wrong direction. I know it's wrong for the business, uh, but how do I call it out? How do I get people to really see it? And we quite often are afraid of the conflict, right? We're afraid of what will happen. Will I look stupid uh, won't they agree? Will I be viewed as a troublemaker? I mean, there's a number of reasons why we choose to avoid that that conflict. And yet here's the thing. As long as we let issues go unnamed, they become like our own demons. We They become like Dragon's War in old mythology. Right. Uh, where dragons took on such huge power until you could name the dragon – And as soon as you can name the dragon, the dragon would become your friend, and you could figure out how to tame it. And the same is true for issues inside business, and we're we're too afraid sometimes to sort of name the issue thinking, oh, nobody really wants to hear it. I mean, we have this whole set of stories in our head about why we don't do it. But until we, each of us, finds a way to kind of go, you know, that isn't working, and here's why, or here's what I think, or could it be that this is broken? Finding some way to name it takes away the power for that issue taking down the business. And ultimately, that's really what we all care about, right? We're showing up, and we want our businesses to succeed. So it's figuring out how do we take on and engage issues um, head on and and really find ways to do it without becoming confrontational or anything, but but really in the the best interest of the business. That makes sense. Well, great. We've been talking here with Nilla from Merchant, who is the CEO of uh, Rubicon Consulting, but she's also the author of this new book called The New How?, and, uh, Nilifer, no, is there a place online where people can go to find out more information about the book? Is there a website or a blog? Oh, well, absolutely. There's a there's a site for the book called The New How with hyphens, not underscore, but hyphens in between. And, of course, the book is widely available on Amazon and, and all places. In fact, Amazon has a really nice set of uh, people who have done uh, reviews. Uh, I'm always fascinated to see what other people write about the book. I feel like I've learned a lot from that and uh, videos and all that stuff to kind of know what the book is about if they uh, want to get it. Terrific. Well, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Glad to be it. Okay. This is Linda Popke uh, for the latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at www.l2massociates.com.